My name is Gary, as many of you already know. and I'm filling in for Bill today as he's on his sabbatical. And if he were here right now, I think we all know what he would say. Here at the table, we are excited about seeing your faith come alive through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that will change your life and last forever. Well, I know now why Pastor Bill loves to say that. And looking out at you now, I also know why he loves to be our pastor. And I say it's something to see this auditorium, this sanctuary, filled with shining image bearers of God. Well, hey, have you ever heard the phrase, great minds think alike? <laughs> well, <clears throat> when we were all, um, a few weeks ago, when we were all planning for Bill's sabbatical, um, we, uh, he, and he was lining up speakers, he said to us, just speak on whatever you're passionate about. Well, that got my wheels turning because, folks, I have a deep passion about what goes on in the storm. Now, great minds think alike, right? And so last week, that was the very message that Pastor Stephen shared with us. And what a message that was, reminding us about things in the storm, like we all have them. They may be different, but they're all either coming to us or having left us or upon us now. And he also reminded us that there is a focus we are to have in the storm, a focus on God's glorious presence and God's shining redemptive purposes for our lives. And he reminded us that as the questions assail us in the storm, we are to choose the right ones to ask. Not the why God questions, but the what God. God, what do you want me to learn in the storm? God, what do you want me to do? So I say yes and amen to Pastor Stephen's message about the storm. And there's a couple more things about the storm that I'd like to share with us this morning, these few minutes that we have together. I would like to talk about that dark place where we might find ourselves when the world turns upside down and everything you thought you knew and could count on about yourself or your loved ones or your circumstances or even about God when all those things come crashing down and nothing makes sense and you hit the wall. I want to talk about that today, dear friends, from a, the very heart of God's word. And like an old familiar friend will remind us all together that there is something we can know that goes on in the storm, something that we can hold on to, even if it's for dear life. There is a good that doesn't make sense. 
and we will go as we go to God's word. We will behold our glorious God, our glorious, eternal, sovereign God that loves us with a tender fury that will never let us go. Oh, great Father God, speak to us now from your word and bring us into your love embrace. This we pray by the power of the Holy Spirit and in the name of the Christ. Amen. Now I got to take a swig because one, allergies, and two, I'm a little rusty. And full disclosure, I got my cheat sheet, okay? Now Pastor Bill doesn't need one, does he? But this morning you got the bargain brand, okay? So... Thanks for cutting me slack, folks. <clears throat> and you know our passage well. <laughs> um, <laughs> thanks, Stephen. <laughs> You're a good sport back there. Um, you could quote it standing on your head, I'll bet. But, folks, I would just love to hear you say it with me now. Would you? And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, folks, some of you might know that I am on staff at one of the hospitals in Fort Worth where I serve as a full-time hospital chaplain. And you might wonder, just what does a chaplain do? Well... Um, and large part of what we do is that we enter into people's storms. <clears throat> storms that kind of take the form primarily of grief and angst associated with the suffering of medical hardship. Um, and um, our ex what we find there is that in those patients' rooms, they're often dripping grief and angst, we see God opening a sacred space where he tenderly moves people toward his beautiful face for healing and wholeness. And as we see that, we get kind of a unique perspective on the storm. The storm that we see, again, human suffering. We see a wide range of medical hardships at our hospital. Um, that run a range of severity. And we also see a wide range of human responses to the storm. Um, I, the, one of the areas of coverage I have is with our liver transplantation unit. And we could see people who have hep C sneak up on them and whammo, their liver's trashed and they are going through the ordeal of liver transplantation, and we see them with a resilient faith that is astounding. And then we can see people who have spent a lifetime of shooting themselves in the foot and trashing their liver and having that dark place where they hit the wall. And a, a full range of other things. We see babies who die in their mother's wombs before they take their first breath. We, we see people who 
reach across the rail at a deathbed and weep and say, I'm sorry, please forgive me, please come back. And some of those things we see our passage today. And we see people who desperately need the good news of our passage, but they only get part of the message. They kind of treat our passage as a perky platitude, and they miss another part, another side. And so what I would love to do today is to remind us of the two-sided coin of Romans 8. <clears throat> two-sided coin. Um, um, let me say um, the, the, the two-sided coin of glorious, a glorious pathway for the believer in Christ, the person who places their trust in Jesus Christ, who, whom Christ died for their sins and rose from the grave, and they are raised to walk in newness of life, where they live out the life of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit to the glory of the Father, where there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ now, even that blood-bought believer in Christ who struggles with that Romans 7 knife fight that goes on in the heart and soul of every believer between who they are now in Christ and who they used to be. And our chapter 8 thunders with that proclamation, no condemnation for those Believers in Christ who still struggle with sin and its natural consequences. No condemnation. We have a, the Father who loves us and is for us so that who can be against us? And we cannot be separated from the love of God that is in Christ. So we see that glorious pathway, but we also see the other side of the coin, the struggle, the groaning. We see a chapter where people are groaning and a universe that's groaning with even a God, the Holy Spirit, who groans on our behalf. And why? For this good that does not make sense. Now our passage begins with something we can know, and that begs the question to me, folks, is, okay, what do we know? And how, are we, how come we can know that? And we'll get to that, but one thing I want to talk about is that, um, that there is a cause and effect going on here. I like the way the NASB um, has it phrased, God causes all things to work together for good. And folks, I want to just say a simple truth here, that so many people wonder how the universe works. And here we have a glimpse of that now. The mystery of how the universe works, it works for God. The storm works for God. As you go through the storm and you go to that dark place where nothing makes sense and you hit the wall, please begin by knowing that the universe and the storm work for our almighty, glorious, sovereign God. And I want to point out the outlandishness of our passage today. Now, I, I speak of my experiences at the hospital, and there are some dire things that portray 
the storm, but there are some lighter things. And on a lighter note, it's not uncommon for someone to spend a night in our emergency department because he was taking his dog out for a leash, and the dog was so excited that it knocked its master over. He hit his head on the sidewalk, and he spent a night getting a cat scan and stitches. And I think we can imagine him saying, all things? Really? And it's not uncommon for us to see people who are brittle diabetics, and they trim their toenails too close, and they get a cellulitis infection, and they're in our hospital, and we can imagine them in that same way. Really? All things? And it brings to mind what one of the profs that Bill and I had when we were in seminary, who said this about all things. He invites us to go back to that time, if you can, when you were a teenager and you came back from a date well past curfew. And there were mom and dad there at the door, weren't they? Well, young man, young lady, well, everyone was going to the movies, so I went. Oh, oh, let me see. Everyone was going to the movie. So there were no longer any pedestrians in the street. There were nobody was in the restaurants or home safely in their beds because everybody was at the movies. <laughs> now, folks, that's funny, okay? <clears throat> and so what we see in this is the immediate context of our passage, the two-sided coin of Romans 8, the glorious story of what we have for us as believers in Christ, inextricably linked with suffering. And in the middle of our chapter, we get that unpalatable truth straight from the triune God. I didn't put it on the screen, but allow me to read verse 16. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, there we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his suffering. Now, folks, in the margin of my Bible, I have this. The Greek construction of this passage doesn't set up a condition it states a fact. What I then wrote in the margin of my floppy old 1985 Zondervan NIV study Bible is, this is what the heirs of Christ experience. Suffering, groaning, and struggling along with the glorious story of our new lives in Christ. Lives in Christ. Still waiting for this good that doesn't make sense. Now, our passage makes some people wonder if this verse is talking about them. And it sort of reminds me of that Texas Aggie who went to the football game and left after the first play because he wondered if the players in the huddle were talking about him. <laughs> now, folks, that's funny too, okay? <laughs> Now, I'm married into a UT family, and they have me under their thumb, 
Okay, so sorry to you Aggies. If that has alienated you, please forgive me. Let me take another swig here, folks. Allergies. If you wonder if this passage is talking about you, here it is. To those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And if that's you, praise God. But if you're the wanderer, then this passage, our passage, invites us to stop in our tracks and in the cathedral of our own hearts, hold out our empty, outstretched hand of faith and receive the free gift of Jesus, his forgiveness, his grace, his love. Say in your heart, God, I know I'm a sinner, and I know my sin separates from me from you eternally, and there's nothing I can do to fix that. But I believe that Jesus died my soul to save, and I place my trust in his work on Calvary's cross, and I now receive the free gift of eternal life. And then, folks, Strap on your sandals, fasten your seatbelt for the ride of your life, and wonder no more if this verse is including you, shining brothers and sisters in Christ. And now, our passage invites us into a seat where we behold our God our eternal, glorious, sovereign God where he sets to have his portrait painted. On the screen, please read with me. Verse 29, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Now the story is told of a young preacher who, when asked about the topic of procrastination, he got it mixed up with predestination. And he answered with confidence, Well, I don't know all the facts, but I do know that our church believes in it. There you go. Guys, come on. Come on. (laughs) Predestination. The very heart of the doctrine of divine election. Bill has talked about it. Uh, He spoke about it in the Chosen series back in April. Um, I believe it was April 23rd. The message titled, God Loves You Because... He gave some great resources, and he gave you an invitation, a great idea that if you had any questions about this, ask Bill. I would add, if you have any complaints about this, ask Bill. But just know that this is one of the most controversial doctrines in all of Christian theology, and brothers and sisters in Christ fight about this to the grief of Almighty God. Please don't do that. But just allow me to say this. What we can know in the storm, the what and the how, we now get answers to. 
the what? A divine glory bound good. The how. How do we know this? Because it's driven by five God verbs. Now, I am no grammatical whiz, folks. And how I managed to get through five semesters of Koine Greek is one of those other mystery miracle things, okay? But you, you drop $125 of your wife's hard-earned income as she puts hubby through seminary, and you have to sort of say something Greeky, okay? <laughs> now, I've managed to remember this, okay? That there are these five God verbs have a subject, and it's God, allow me to use my fingers, God, 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 God in God, and there are recipients of the direct action of that verb, and it is us, 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 and us, and those five God verbs are in the Greek aorist verb tense, which is the past tense, and all that tells us how we can know that there is something good in the storm when we hit the wall that doesn't make sense. Now, I invite you to use your God-given, God-like ability to imagine and imagine this passage we just read as though God himself were bringing you into his love embrace in the roar of the storm. Before the creation of the world, I foreknew you. I looked down the corridors of time and into your innermost being and saw the wonder of John 3.16 happen in your heart. And in that mystery, I chose to create you in my image with my God-like attribute of free will. I chose to create you to choose. I then chose to invite you to choose, to enable you to choose, to require you to choose. And in that divine dance with me, I knew that you would come to choose. And right then and there, I said, that's my kiddo. And I drew you into the fury and passion of my love embrace, a love that will not ever let you go. My And my un, eternal, unfailing love for you, in that I set off a sequence of my sovereignty. I plugged you into my love, glory plan with a love, glory goal for you. Before the creation of the world, I predestined you. And the goal I have set for you is for you to be deeply involved in my glorious future plans that include you becoming conformed into the very image of my glorious Son, for your character to be shaped into the image of my glorious Son, so that my Glorious Son might hold the place of highest honor, the centerpiece of my glorious future family. That whole good that doesn't make sense thing 
for which I am causing all things to work together in this universe that works for me, that's what I'm cooking up for you. And by the way, this love, glory, goal of mine for you, it's not going to fail. And you'll know it for sure when I fully establish my glorious reign over all creation. Before the creation of the world, I foreknew you, I predestined you, and I called you to be saved by grace through faith, a priceless gift I gave to you through my glorious Son. I have called you this way because when I make plans and goals for you, I leave nothing to chance. Before the creation of the world, I justified you. I looked upon my son and pardoned you. My gavel sounded on the bench of my great white throne as I declared you righteous in my sight, in right standing with me forever. Although I did that in eternity past, you can choose to hear my declaration of no condemnation again and again and again for the remainder of your eternal life, just in case you ever doubt it. And before the creation of the world, I glorified you. Oh, yeah, that hasn't happened yet, has it? Because I'm eternal. Timeless, I fill and overflow your past, present, and future. When you step into each future moment, I'm already there with a wink and a smile. And I will be there waiting to bestow on you your future eternal glory. You can count on that. And then, no more storms for you, kiddo. You know, folks, there are some folk people I know that that was way too loosey-goosey for them. And I'm sorry if that's the way it was for you. But this is something that helps me because my mind thrives on moving pictures. And I invite you to use your sanctified imagination once again to dig, if you will, a picture. Imagine this magnificent chauffeur-driven limousine pulling right up beside you, there in all its glory, beckoning you. And then imagine going right up to it and popping the hood, digging into the mechanics and the mystery of that magnificent machine. Some of us do that better than others. Folks, with my humble invitation, I invite you to pop the hood of divine election and get into the magnificent details to know God better, love him more, and make him known. And then go around to the side, pop open the passenger door, and come along for the ride. Because that chauffeur-driven limousine is glory-bound, folks. And it's going through the storm. 
And like one of my grandsons said, the hand of God is protecting you from the storm. So pop that hood, but climb in for the ride and don't fight about divine election. That's something we'll all understand better by and by about the glorious mysteries of our glorious, eternal, sovereign God. And there's one other thing, folks. Help others who hit the wall hard. Some people go to a very dark place. And Kevin Hines went to the Golden Gate Bridge. You might have heard his story. Suicide capital of the world. Thousands have plunged to their death. 25 stories down to the frigid waters of the San Francisco Bay. And when you get there, you're going 75 miles an hour. I, I think we're running a little short of time. Let me just put it in these words, folks. He prayed that God would stop him from going to the bridge. And he said that when you're suicidal, you can't believe that the voices in your head are a lie. So when he, the moment his hands left the rail, he knew that he had made the biggest mistake of his life. And as he plunged down those 25 stories, he said, God, I don't want to die. God, please forgive me. God, please help me. And he had prayed for an angel to stop him on the way. But that angel came halfway down the 25 stories. And he was due to land on his head, but he somehow he landed on his feet. And that saved him from smashing his skull. He plunged 70 feet into the water. And the impact broke three vertebrae. His legs were paralyzed. And somehow, another miracle, he got to the surface. And when he got to the surface, he, kept, he couldn't stay afloat. But he, kept, he would sink, and then he would bob back up again, sink and bob and sink and bob, and that kept going. When he was below the water, he noticed this murky presence that kept pushing him up. When he was above the surface, he saw very distinctly a woman in a red car that had pulled over, and he later learned that she had called her friend in the Coast Guard, and that's what saved him from dying in the frigid waters of the San Francisco Bay from hypothermia. What was later learned was it was a sea lion that was lifting him up. And on a year after his, his jump, his dad took him to the same spot in the Golden Gate, and they dropped a flower over the rail, and they watched it fall to the surface of the water. And when it hit the water, something came up from the water, and it was a sea lion. Dear folks, when you hit the wall, God is doing something. God is taking all of the madness and he is making sense of it. God is doing this. God is running this because God runs the universe. Even when you're making the worst mistake of your life. It's not about bringing your A game, dear brothers and sisters in Christ. 
It's about trusting God when you hit the wall. There's another thing we can do. We can trust him knowing that he's in the storm with us. And we can ask God to make us aware and available for the Kevin Hineses that come into our path. And we can also dial 988, folks. The suicide crisis lifeline. And in the storm, we can tell them about a God who loves them with a tender fury that they cannot even fathom. And so, um, as I invite the band to come up, dear friends, please know that in the storm, when you hit the wall, God is there. And he's making a good that doesn't make sense. God is doing it. The universe works for God. God has chosen you as heirs, royal heirs, daughters and sons of the king, loved, planned for, glory bound. So buy into this, folks. I have to do it a hundred times a day. You put this hand here, you put this hand here, and you say, God, I'm in. Help my struggle with doubt. And help people who hit the wall. Folks, I was a drifter. I had nowhere to go. I was hanging by threads of dust and bone. Every angel I knew was singing, Son, come home. But the melody was hard to sing alone. Oh God, you're my deliverer. The one who carries us. Thank you for listening to me. God bless you.